Welcome to the inaugural episode of Permissionless. I am so, so, so excited to share what's to come with you on season one. I hope my guest journeys will inspire you to lead a fearless, badass life where you abandon the old and embrace the new. If you hang out to the end of the episode, which I really, truly hope you do, I'll share the Permissionless Manifesto with you. So without further ado, here's episode one. Hi, and welcome to the Permissionless Podcast. I'm your host, Selena Vidya, and today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Pam Lund, and she's an internet marketing consultant with a specialty in pay-per-click. Hi, Pam. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. Great to be here. Yes, great to have you. Um, So Pam is very interesting because she's made the jump across different industries, and she has a lot of um, varying interests as well that she integrates into her daily life. So I guess we'll start off. Um, Let's talk about your journey a little bit. So what did you go to school for? Sure. So um, my journey actually starts in seventh grade. I knew what I was going to do. I had my entire life planned out in seventh grade because we had an assignment to interview someone who was not a parent, like not one of our parents, and learn about their career and do a report on it. And I had a stockbroker at that time. Uh, I was investing the money that I made working part-time for my parents. So I interviewed my stockbroker. Wait, Wait, you were investing at that age? In seventh grade, yeah. Wow. I had like $1,500 in investments in seventh grade. (laughs) I thought that I was rich. Um, so I interviewed my stockbroker and, you know, we learned how much money they make, what they do every day. And it just sounded like such a great job. You know, this is back when the market wasn't as volatile as it is now. You know, mm-hmm. people just put money in and made money. It seemed like magic to me. And this guy got paid to help people build their retirement. I thought that was so cool. So I was like, I'm going to be a stockbroker. So from seventh grade on, like that was my mission. I was going to go to college. I was going to get a degree in finance and I was going to move to New York and I was going to work on Wall Street. <laughs> I wanted that whole like Gordon Gecko life. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I went to college for um, business administration with emphasis on finance. And I was on a fast track. I graduated in three years. So I was doing 16 credits every semester and then 13 every summer and just like plowing through classes. Two years in, I realized that finance actually isn't any fun. (laughs) It's just a lot of numbers and it's boring. And, um, you know, the stockbroker lifestyle is like super A-type stress personality. And that just turned out to really not be me. (laughs) So I graduated, I finished the finance degree and I graduated and I tried to, you know, figure out what I was going to do. And I moved to California and it was during the first dot-com boom. So they were like handing out jobs like candy. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just walk in a place and be like, I want a job. Here's, you know, what my degree is in. And they would give you a job. So I got a degree as an, or I got a job as an accountant because I had a finance degree, even though I had absolutely no accounting experience. And I ended up loving it. I loved the, um, you know, debits on the left, credits on the right, and everything equals. And there's an answer. And at the end of the day, my job was done as long as everything balanced out and the bills were paid. And, you know, it just was, it was really simple and there was no stress in it, but it wasn't creative. It wasn't inspiring. So um, my first company went out of business. We blew through like $2 million as dot-coms did, went out of business and I went to work for a marketing agency. And while I was there, I'm doing their accounting and their HR, and I was just kind of bored and I'm watching all these marketing people and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're creating amazing marketing campaigns and it just looked like so much fun. And their marketing manager wasn't really doing much other than secretarial work mm-hmm. and they needed more from her. So I knew that they were planning on getting rid of her and replacing her. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, I know you want to get rid of her. I've heard the rumors, so get rid of her. <laughs> give me her job. I'll continue to do the accounting and the HR, Mm -hmm. but I'll also do her job for half of her salary on top of what you're paying me now so that I could get marketing experience. Mm -hmm. And they thought about it for a day and they were like, all right, let's do it. You know, we'll give you three months. And if you blow it, we'll hire somebody else. If you do well, you can keep doing it. And then we'll hire someone else to do the accounting. So that was my first marketing job. And it went pretty well and it ended up not being the right place for me, but I got a ton of experience with, you know, print and, you know, how to get, um, you know, discounted print marketing and like all this crazy stuff that I wouldn't have um, gotten the opportunity to learn if it wasn't kind of in a crash course setting and left there and lied my way into a job doing internet marketing. So in the interview, they asked me if I had pay-per-click experience. I had never heard of pay-per-click. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, we did a ton of that. I had never heard of it, had never done it before. So I got the job and had to figure out how to do it. That's the amazing thing about the internet, though. It's like, <laughs> if you want to learn something, you can just go and start finding information and learning from people and finding mentors and yeah. all of that good stuff. Yeah, you definitely can. 
So I just want to touch back to the fact that you were in seventh grade and you wanted to be a stockbroker. I think that's awesome <laughs> because at that age, you listen to a lot of what people want to be. And usually it's, they see the fireman come mm-hmm. in, they see the police officer come in. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's fascinating that you went on, uh, you know, the path to finance and you're a person who likes to use both sides of your brain, yeah. um, you know, from what I'm gathering. So the fact that you had the finance background and then you parlayed that into more of the creative side and we'll talk a little bit about um, pay-per-click, which I'm going to refer to as PPC for yes. my own sake. <laughs> um, but that uses both. It's very analytical and it has a creative side too. Yes. Um, yeah. So for our permissionless listeners, the one takeaway that I want you to grab from this part of the conversation is she wanted something and she basically asked for it. Like she went up and she said, hey, I know what's going to happen with this person. I want this job. Give me a chance. And it's just such an important point to touch on. Like, if you want something, go and get it. Yeah. And that is just, it worked out. Yeah. And it was terrifying to do. Mm -hmm. I was 21 years old and I'm going to the CEO of the company and saying, I can do this job. And it was, you know, I had nothing to lose, right? If they Mm -hmm. said no, I still had my job. So even though it was terrifying and um, it, it could have turned out badly in the sense that they could have said no. Um, there wasn't really a downside. There wasn't anything to lose. So even if something is scary, the upside, you have to look at the upside. You have yeah. to look at the the benefit that you can get. And mm-hmm. um, if you see something just ask, you want, just ask for it. Yeah. Because imagine if you didn't ask for it, you would still be trying to figure out the finance side and oh, hating yeah. things and, you know, just not feeling challenged creatively and yeah. all of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So you went to um, the marketing agency and you started working on the marketing side and then you went into PPC Mm -hmm. and took on that job. So what was it like having to basically learn a new skill? Um, You're in a new job, you have a new skill to learn, you're in a strange environment. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, there's so much faking it until you make it, you know, that whole fake it until Mm -hmm. you make it thing. Um, There's so much of that. There's um, in that role, I was managing about $2 million dollars per month in advertising. And I had to, you know, learn how to even do that, much less how to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. And right after figuring out how to do banner advertising and kind of the the old internet advertising, it used to be you would go to Google and you go, we want to put a banner on this keyword. And you could buy a hundred percent of the impressions. Like every single time a keyword was searched, your banner could be there for like a flat fee. Mm-hmm. It was before the way before pay-per-click actually, even though you, they still called it that, it was actually, um, you just bought a keyword and put a banner on it. So as soon as I learned how to do that in this job, which that was actually pretty easy, Google announced AdWords and completely ruined my life. <laughs> like all of a sudden I went from being able to just go, okay. And this was um, for a, a marketing company that did marketing for doctors, lawyers, and dentists. Mm-hmm. So I went from being able to go to Google and say, we want a banner on plastic surgery. And that cost us like $5,000 a month to literally overnight competing with every plastic surgeon in the country to have an ad on the keyword plastic surgery. Wow. Yeah. Before you knew it, we had, um, you know, there's keywords like mesothelioma attorney that are over a hundred dollar per click to advertise on. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out how to get the same results that we were getting before with this new tool. So not only was I in a relatively new job and trying to figure out how to just do the basics of internet advertising, but now I had this whole new platform that the entire world is trying to figure out how to use. And now it's more than just agencies that are doing advertising. Now every small business mm-hmm. could advertise and we were all trying to buy impressions on the same keywords. And, um, it was, it was definitely stressful and, um, exciting and crazy all at the same time. <laughs> um, but there were definitely a lot of faking it, a lot of um, making up answers or a lot of saying, I don't know. That's one of the big things, right? If you're in a role that you don't know hundred percent of what's going on, it's okay to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then go get the right answer rather than lying or making something up. Say, you know what? I don't know off the top of my head. I'll find out and then come back with an answer and a plan. Yeah. And I think that's such a a strong thing to do that people feel like is a weak thing. It's not a weak thing at all. And it took me quite some time because I always kind of felt like I had to be a know-it-all, even when I was younger. And finally, I started realizing from talking to people like you who are just like, it's okay to not know the answer. If you don't know, I'll show you. I'll show you where to find it. Um, and going back to the mentor thing, there's people who love to help people who want to learn what Mm -hmm. they know. 
And it's just a matter of asking for it and yeah. saying, I need help. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's powerful. Uh, okay, so now you started working on the AdWords side of things. And how long were you at that company for um, once this happened? That was within the first two years of being at, at that agency that, that AdWords was announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the company for a total of... Um, like eight years through the whole process. Yeah. So I went from doing just their pay-per-click marketing up to, um, by the time I left, I was their director of marketing and we had a team at one point, it was a team of 140 writers, designers, developers, QA people, like just this massive team pumping out way more websites than any company should ever make. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's crazy um, to scale from, you know, coming in and working on PPC and then it turning into the AdWords side of thing and then scaling and growing and having all these people that you're working with. Like, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So after that agency, what was your next jump? Uh, yeah. So by that time, by the end of that job, it was miserable. Um, the environment just wasn't very good. I wasn't happy. I, um, would, you know, sometimes leave work and cry in the car on my way home. Like it just was, it wasn't, wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't interesting. I didn't like my superiors. Mm-hmm. My team was amazing. I still have friends that, that came out of that. They were, I met some of the most amazing people there, but the environment itself was just not good. And I knew that I needed to get out. And I had a friend who was running basically like, um, just like a, a USB business. Like if you wanted to, um, promote your company or give swag away at a conference, you put your logo on a USB drive. Mm-hmm. He sold those. And he's like, I want to expand from the UK into the U S and I need someone there to run the business. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'll do it. You know, <laughs> just, just anything to get me out of this job. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in it. <laughs> it wasn't like my next career move, <laughs> but it got me out of the job. So it allowed me to leave the agency and start working independently and on, you know, be on my own. And we made really good money doing it, but then the market crashed and nobody was buying swag. Mm-hmm. So I went from making really good money to being broke. Like I made $2,000 a month. Rent in California is so expensive. Yeah. I mean, so I was paying a thousand dollars a month for just a place to live. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your car payment, your groceries and blah, blah. blah. And by the time you pay all that, that's more than $2,000 a month. Oh Yeah. So I was doing like, you know, super crazy bargain shopping, like buying expired rice and like all kinds of things just to make ends meet and living on $2,000 a month. And I was like, um, you know, this, this isn't going to cut it. Like I need to figure out a way to make money. And I was, you know, I'm like, what skills do I have? What can I market? Cause there was no jobs. Like I said, it was the market crash. I couldn't even get a job at like pier one. Mm-hmm. There was just no job. So I'm like, what skill do I have to market? And I was like, oh, I can do pay-per-click. Duh. You know, <laughs> let's, let's see if there's any work out there. And so I just told people. I just put the word out to people in the industry. I was like, hey, I'm taking on clients if, if you know anybody that needs pay-per-click consulting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll get one or two here or there. But literally within a month of me saying that, I was flooded with work. That's amazing. It was, it was, I mean, our industry, the industry of like internet marketing is amazing. People are so, um, so open and so great and, you know, just so willing to, to share work or to refer work. And, um, I didn't realize that all these people who do SEO or web de- web development or design or all these things, they all had clients who needed pay-per-click, but none of those people knew how to do pay-per-click or they didn't want to do it, or they didn't have anybody to refer to did pay-per-click. So as soon as I was like, Hey guys, I'm doing pay-per-click. They were all like, okay, great. Here, here, have a whole <laughs> bunch of clients. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was amazing. It was fantastic. And, you know, just by, just by raising my hand and saying I'm taking on work, which is, I think something that people who are consultants don't do. Oh yeah. They just assume that people know a, what they do, which is funny because I have friends who are in the internet marketing industry and I don't know what their specialty is. I don't know what kind of clients to refer to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, like you look at their website and it's like, okay, so you do marketing. What kind? You know, yeah, what's your specialty? There's so much to marketing. It's such exactly. a big breadth of a field. Yeah. So what, you know, like, what's your specialty? And are you taking on clients? Because some people aren't. Some people are not, you know, they, they're full. They're not taking on yeah. clients. So tell people what you do and that you're taking on clients and you'll get them. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy that you say that because I remember, um, when I had left and started working on my own, I was working on my own for 
I think about like eight or nine months at this point when I went to speak at a conference and I ran into somebody who I talked to, you know, I know them in person. I talked to them online and they had asked, uh, they weren't sure what I was doing and like what I was focused on. And I felt like it was so clear, but it's true. You just have to be very clear and say, I'm taking on clients. This is what I do. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people feel like maybe they're being kind of full of themselves by approaching it that way, but it's business, you know, nobody minds. They want to know what you do. They're interested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I also wanted to take it back a moment because what I really love about your path is how you basically, instead of staying in the job that you were in uh, and waiting for the perfect opportunity, you saw an opportunity, it came to you. It wasn't your dream job. It wasn't what you wanted to do, but you jumped on it and said, I'm going to do this because it's a stepping stone. Yeah. And then that allowed you to further move into what you ended up doing for a very long period of time. Yeah, I think the world gives you opportunity if you're open to it. Uh, and if you, you know, I try and tell other people who are doing consulting that you should never do anything just for the money. Whenever I have followed money, it's gotten me in a bad situation. You know, I end up with a client that I don't like or mm-hmm. not the right project for me, or I'm not happy because I did it for the money. But in some cases, you're going to have to do something just to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. And taking an opportunity that maybe isn't perfect will open doors for the next opportunity. So maybe you take a job that's not exactly what you want, but you meet somebody there who then goes on to another job and they bring you on to your dream job. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any opportunity that you get, you should at least investigate it and, you know, take it if it will help you get to the next point in your life. Yeah. And with any kind of entrepreneurship, consulting, anything where you're basically working for yourself and you have to get out there, relationships are such a big thing. And you should never approach a relationship thinking of it that way, but being kind to everybody, helping where you can, you know, extending your hand out, that does come back. And it's so important. I mean, if you want to be on your own, then you have to, you know, keep your relationships and friendships and honestly be invested in them person to person. Yeah, you absolutely have to. I think that the number one thing that has helped me build my business has been networking, but not in the sense of what people think of networking, you know, not going and like shaking a whole bunch of hands and handing out business business cards. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But actually getting to know people and getting to know their families and what they care about and just being friends with people. You know, I joke that in this industry, I have really great friends that I see once a year. You know, I have people who I have been to their wedding, but I talk to them you know, every six months and I see them once a year, but I've taken the time to really become friends with them and care about them and know them. And it's not just handing a business card out at a networking event. It's really getting in close with these people and they are going to refer clients to you, even if they have never worked with you and have no idea if you're actually good at your job because you're friends with them, right? That's what it is. It's, it's contacts, it's networking. It's It's trust. Yeah. It's trust. Built on trust a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I'm going to take us back into your journey again. So you're at the point where um, you're working for yourself. You're doing PPC work. Um, You did end up going back to an agency at some point in time. So from the time you started working for yourself till then, uh, what led you to that part of your journey? Yeah. So I kind of just um, plugged along for a few years and, you know, I had kind of a steady stable of clients and I was making decent living, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything that was really progressing. It wasn't exciting. I was just kind of doing it right. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a job. And then I did have the opportunity to join, um, an amazing group of people at an agency and it was kind of the dream team, right? Mm -hmm. Like super smart, awesome people, everyone that you would ever want to work with and some friends of mine. So they approached me with the opportunity to come work with them. And I, um, it was definitely difficult for me to think about going from working for myself to going back to having a job, but it was not, um, it wasn't like an office job. I I was still going to be working from home and Mm -hmm. I was very clear that I needed to be autonomous and that I couldn't feel like I had a boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a huge thing for me is I have to be in charge of myself, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it sounded like the most perfect opportunity and I tried it out for a little while. It ended up not being the, the best opportunity. I did get to meet you, which was awesome. That was the best part of me being there is meeting you. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> the best. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll pay you later for that. <laughs> um, Shoot, I'm supposed to talk about that. <laughs> 
Um, so I was there for a little while and they actually ended up not um, pursuing a lot of pay-per-click work. They were really a content and SEO um, focused agency. So um, I didn't have any, any pay-per-click clients to work on, which um, was, which fine. I made myself useful in as many ways as I possibly could, but it ended up that it just wasn't um, what pay-per-click wasn't going to be there their big strong suit. So at that point I was starting to feel burned out with marketing anyway. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like I was just selling people things that they didn't need or um, just really, it felt forced. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like I was helping anyone or making a difference in anyone's life. Mm -hmm. It just was work. And I was tired of that. And I really wanted to help people and I wanted to do something that would make a difference. And I had started to get really into nutrition. Um, health and nutrition, you know, fitness and all this other stuff that was completely unrelated to what I, what I had been doing. And it was all because like throughout my twenties, I was not healthy. I was, you know, probably like 25 pounds overweight. I drank way too much, like, you know, never slept. Like I was super unhealthy in my, in most of my twenties. And so when I started to get healthy, I, and I saw how much it could help people. I was like, I want to do this. I want to get the word out to people that, you know, you can, feel so much better and you can kind of change your life and you can be more productive and you can just have all these, these positive life changes. If you, um, focus on yourself and your health and your, your nutrition. So I left the agency to, to take the time to go back to school and I went for a dietetics, dietetics degree. My goal was to open a, a consulting business where people would come to me if they had chronic health conditions or maybe even cancer. And um, I would work with them with their nutrition and their fitness and their health to uh, holistically improve whatever condition they were dealing with. But after a few years in that world, I realized that they were so far behind, you know, that they were still telling people to drink skim milk and take Ooh. a multivitamin every day. Like that was, that was dietetics. <laughs> like here, have an insure drink because it's got vitamins in it. And it just, it did my head in. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't deal with it. So, um, but that was enough of a break to, um, experience a completely different world. Like the medical world is so much different than the marketing oh, world. I can imagine was... you jumped head on into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite the change. It was, it was insane. Um, so that was enough of a break that I got interested in marketing again. <laughs> so, um, after a couple of years of doing that, then, um, I came back and I'm, you know, I'm still involved in the, in the health and fitness areas as a hobby, mm-hmm. but I was able to take enough of a mental break, which I think is something that's so important. People get burned out and they're like, Ugh, I'm over this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And you need to figure out what sort of a break you can take to get reinterested in whatever it is you're doing. And maybe that means changing the clients that you're working on. Maybe it means getting a new job. Maybe it means doing something completely different, going back to school for two years, like whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> if you're burned out, take a break and you can come back to what you're doing, reinvigorate, reinvigorated. Yeah. And you literally came full circle, you know, <laughs> back to basically where you had started on your journey outside of finance stuff. And I think it's so great that you were not afraid to go to a different industry. That's a big thing yeah. for people is, you know, if they're in one industry, they want to kind of take the stepping stones around the pond, but they're afraid to kind of like jump out and go to another fresh pond where they don't know anything or anybody. And you did that, you got a fresh perspective and then it helped lead you back. So there's no straight path to what you want to do. Yeah, You really have to follow what pulls you at the moment. And that could turn out to be something better, or it could take you back to something that you had missed. And you're like, I want to go back to this and it's where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And it's all just kind of a journey and it doesn't, you don't have to go from point A to point B to point C. You can take a whole bunch of detours and you're the, you're always going to be learning through every process. So when you finally get to point B or C, everything that you did along the way has helped you get to that point. So you don't, it doesn't have to be a straight shot. In mm-hmm. fact, it probably shouldn't be because the, all the experience that you get from working in other industries or networking with people who aren't in your industry or, you know, learning about something, reading a book that has nothing to do with what you do, you know, just spending time doing something outside of your little bubble will benefit you in the end. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so you mentioned conferences and networking. Did you, you've spoken at conferences. Um, do you still do that often or is that something that you did more, um, you know, a couple of years ago? Yeah, I don't actually speak a lot. Um, it's just not something that I have ever made a point to do. I think a lot of it came down to initially confidence. I didn't feel like I had any knowledge that anyone else didn't have. It was kind of like, who am I to stand up on a stage and tell somebody how Mm -hmm. to do something? I think I've gotten over that now. I think that I do have things to share, but um, the kind of things that I like to talk about, it's not, you know, how to do this trick in Excel to find keywords that you want to stop advertising on. Like that stuff bores me. What I actually want to start speaking about and, um, you know, getting out to Uh, the industry is more about efficiency and how to handle clients, how to run your business, how to be a good business person, like kind of going back to the basics of all this stuff that I think the internet marketing world skipped over because we're all a bunch of rogue people. Oh yeah. Right. Like (laughs) totally. We're not, we're not business people in the traditional sense. We're all these like people working out of our living rooms and our, our, you know, bedrooms, you know, it's like people didn't go through, a lot of people didn't go through learning how to run a business. So I think as an industry, we need to mature and we need to become more professional and, you know, just deal with the basics and learn how to have um, better relationships with clients and how to um, do our accounting. You know, oh yeah. Those... <laughs> that, hate, hate accounting. Yeah. Hate it. <laughs> so if I do start speaking, I think it'll be more on that stuff and less on the day-to-day, you know, how to do pay-per-click that speaking on that stuff doesn't really interest me, but it is a fantastic opportunity for people. Like if you're new, mm-hmm. speak absolutely pitch, 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 because getting on a stage at a big conference is the best way to get your name out there for sure. And to get people to, to even think that you're an expert, like they're like, Oh, they spoke at this conference. They must be an expert. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I can attest to that because I probably wouldn't have been to the point that I am with, you know, my consultancy, had I not spoken at places like PubCon, Mm -hmm. um, authority rainmaker, like conferences like that where, and I was petrified of public speaking. Oh yeah. Like, it's, it's scary. Terrifying. Yeah. Like I want to puke and fall off the stage. Like maybe you won't even make it on the stage. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, but it's so important and people want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, like you were saying, confidence in getting up and doing it. I think that that's the big takeaway there is that people do want to hear what you have to say. And um, that that's been an issue that I have had to get over, which is, I think that I don't have anything to say that that anyone else doesn't have to say, but I do because even if I'm saying the same thing or, you know, talking about the same topic that someone else is talking about, my perspective is different than the other person's perspective. My experience is different. My voice is different. So every, whatever I bring to the table is going to be different than what the guy next to me brings to the table or the girl next to me brings to the table. You know, you have your experience, your voice, and, you know, your knowledge that, even you're, even if you're talking on the same topic, it's going to be completely different. Yeah, exactly. And I also love the fact that you want to uh, possibly move into more talking about, you know, running your business and balance, because one thing I've admired about you is you are very good at balancing your life. Um, you're very good at balancing work. You're very good at balancing, you know, your health and sleep schedule. And I'm just all <laughs> over the place. So I am very excited you know, when you start doing that to actually learn some stuff myself, because I have no balance right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and, you know, I think um, it's different for everybody. Everybody's life is um, different. Some people thrive in a hectic environment or um, without as much of a schedule. I'm a very schedule oriented person. So um, I think it will be interesting to see how me telling somebody this is what you should do actually <laughs> translates into their actual, you know, day to day of their life. But, and I think that I'll, I'll probably learn a lot. You know, I may be able to sit here and look at your day and go, Oh my God, that looks insane to me. But <laughs> your, you know, your, your day will educate me and help me probably find ways that I could make my day better. Yeah. Just, it's, it's all a good, just bouncing and finding what works for you. Exactly. Um, okay, so we veered a little bit off, thanks to me, because I'm good <laughs> at that. Um, so you're running your consultancy, you're offering pay-per-click, um, you know, you were building relationships and networking. So did you have, like, what was your biggest fear when you ended up going out on your own 
both times because you did this, you know, first going directly into it. And then the second time you kind of tried a different path and then went back to PPC. Yeah, I think, so I never wanted to be a business owner. My parents were small business owners. My dad's a mechanic and my mom ran the shop, like the perks shop and did all Mm -hmm. of the, the business side of everything. And I watched how hard they struggled. You know, when I was a kid, my dad worked seven days a week. They had a cot and a shower in the shop so that he could work 12 hours a day and just crash at the shop. He did all of that just to put food on the table. And I watched how hard they worked and I was like, that's awful. I'm <laughs> never going to run my own business, right? Because it seemed like so much work for so little payoff. Mm-hmm. And then I went to work for somebody else and it was like, okay, well now I'm just getting a paycheck in exchange for all this, but I'm not building anything of my own. And I think a lot of people, the big fear is if you go out on your own, you don't have a guarantee of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But if you're working for someone else, that paycheck isn't guaranteed either, right? You're not in control of the decisions that are being made. The business could go under at any time. Like there's no more safety in having a real job than right. there is of being a consultant. So I actually never had any fear. It was never like, um, if I go out on my own, like what's going to happen? Because I realized that I didn't have any more security Mm -hmm. when I was working for someone else. And it also came from a place of, I have to do this to pay my bills. Yeah. So So it was a necessity, the need. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there wasn't really a time when I had um, time to be scared. It was more, I need to go out and get these clients to pay the bills. Like that was what I was afraid of was I have to, I have to hustle and I have to get these clients, Mm -hmm. but there was never any fear of, you know, what if I fail or anything like that? Because at the end of the day, even if you fail at this, try again, try something else, go get a different job. Like there's, there's always opportunity just because you fail at one thing doesn't mean you just stop and you go, okay, okay. I guess I'm never going to work again. I'm going to go on welfare. (laughs) I I suck at life. I'm done. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) If everyone quit every time they failed, like none of us would ride a bike. None of us would drive a car. Like, you know, it just, it wouldn't. Although I feel like there's some people who should not be driving cars. (laughs) They should give up. Yeah. Like half of LA. (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about fear. Do you have anything in particular, um, you know, outside of the need that motivates you? Like, what do you absolutely love that keeps you going? Um, so my, so my favorite part of my job is learning about businesses that I would have no idea exist if I wasn't doing this. There are so many things. Like if you just look around your desk, every single one of the items on your desk was made by someone. It had a concept and that and they took it into production and then they marketed it and mm-hmm. they sold it. And this, there's all these industries that you would have absolutely no idea about. So my driving force so frequently is just learning about new industries. When I get new leads and I talk to these business owners and I learn about what they're doing and I'm like, I have never even considered that. I never knew that was a problem. I never knew that there was a product that needed to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I love learning about that. That's, that's what drives me to start start working on new projects is learning about new things. Um, outside of that, outside of just the, the excitement of learning about new industries, I am hyper, um, because of my finance background, I'm hyper um, focused on finances. I budget everything. Mm-hmm. I, I use a program called You Need a Budget. And I think I, I've heard about that. Yeah, it's a great program. It's like, I don't know, I think it was like $25 or $30, something like that for a lifetime thing, mm-hmm. but it's the easiest budgeting tool ever. Um, and it allows you to be as like critical, like, like, you know, down to every dollar. Like I actually budget my cash. Like I'm super, super um, tight with everything that I budget, but it's because my focus is on um, semi-early retirement. So mm-hmm. by the time I'm 45, I wanna be working part-time and traveling. Or, you know, just having more of like a leisure career, not not working all the time like I have in the last few years. So that's also what drives me is watching my bank account grow. (laughs) I mean, money, right? Like that's what it all comes down to. (laughs) I know. I feel like everybody's so afraid to, or not everybody, I shouldn't generalize, but a lot of people are afraid to say that money is a motivator and working for yourself. Yeah. And the reality is like the sky is literally the limit. You are not boxed mm-hmm. into doing anything and you're not boxed into making any certain amount. Yeah. You're valued at what you value yourself. Yes. And you bring that value and you command that 
pay. Yeah. And if you're great at what you do and you specialize, then you can absolutely get that and build early retirement and, mm-hmm. you know, travel and whatever else you want to do. Yeah. Like it's freedom. You're buying freedom. <laughs> and I think that that is a big mental shift that people have a hard time with. And I know that talking about money is especially hard for women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we come into it and we're like, oh, okay, you know, here's my hourly rate. You know, like we're, we're like really cautious about talking yeah. about it. And I think that comes down to self-confidence, but it also is a mental shift where you go from working an, an eight hour day and getting a paycheck in exchange for it. Mm-hmm. When you're consulting, you have to have the, um, the standpoint that you're bringing expertise. You're not just bringing time, right? If you are just trading time for money, you only have so much time, right? You have to be charging for your expertise and you have to be willing to walk into a client's office or get on a phone call or whatever, and be like, here's what this is going to cost you. And know that if they say no, you're okay with that, Mm -hmm. right? You have to be willing to walk away if someone isn't willing to pay what you're worth. Yeah. Don't ever bring your value down to what somebody else sees as your value. Exactly. Um, Because that's when it gets tricky, especially in business. And yeah. when you're working for yourself, because you bend to a lower standard and then you get stuck with a lot of work for a minimum pay. And that's mm-hmm. not why you go into it in the first place. Yeah. You know, clients that lowball are always going to be problematic anyway. <laughs> yes. I have found that out. <laughs> um, so with your day, do you have anything in particular, um, like any particular time of day where your flow is really good, where your head's down and you're banging out work and it's that good sweet spot for you? Yeah. Uh, so it it differs um, because of the job that I have in, in pay-per-click. It is really using both sides of your brain. Mm-hmm. I have to spend part of my day in Excel looking at numbers and being really analytical and like, you know, not creative. Like that's just the, the numbers side. And then the other half of my job is writing ad copy or doing audience research or trying to figure out, you know, who's our target market and very creative and, and um, like, not number orient numbers oriented, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to be able to work out my day so that I can do both of those things. And you, I can't force myself to do one if my brain's in the mood to do the other. Yeah. You know, if I, if my brain's like thinking about ad copy, I can't sit down and look at Excel. So I don't try and structure my day in the sense that I don't go, okay, from 10 AM to 12, this is what I do. Um, What I do is I just, I kind of look at my list, like in the morning, I make a plan for the day and I'm like, this is what absolutely has to get done. And I let my brain, you know, dictate what I work on. Mm -hmm. And that might not always be the best thing because sometimes by the end of the day, it's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that thing. And I really don't want to do that (laughs) thing. Or, you know, you don't get in the mood to do the creative thing. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Hopefully that's okay with your schedule. Um, but I don't have specific blocks necessarily of time when my brain works one way versus the other or wants to do one thing versus the other. What I find is that um, with my with my setup, I, I tend to stand when I'm working in mm-hmm. the morning. So um, because I'm up and I'm moving around, that tends to give me more of a creative mood. So while I'm up and I'm standing and I'm listening to music, I'll write ad copy or do audience research or um, you know, look at landing pages or whatever, like that more creative side. Mm-hmm. And then as I kind of shift into the afternoon, I've been standing for like five hours. So maybe I'm tired and I want to sit down for a little while. When I sit, then I can really focus on the numbers or I can like mm-hmm. dig really deep into Excel. So it just kind of naturally tends to be that in the morning I do more of the creative stuff. And maybe that's because of coffee. <laughs> probably. <laughs> caffeine probably helps a lot. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, into the afternoon is when I tend to shift into more of the numbers and the analysis side. Got it. And I was actually, I like to ask people um, what the one thing is they like to do when they really need to pull themselves out of work or shift gears into the more creative side or whatever is the opposite of what they're working on at the time. But it seems like, and this is actually interesting, you kind of uh, go with what your body says. Yes. um, And that's just helped your flow and helped how you work. Yeah. I think um, it's really inefficient to try and force your brain to do something that it doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's like when you were in school and you had to write a paper and you would sit down and you'd stare at your computer for four hours. And, you know, we didn't have social media when I was in college, but you would, I don't know, go in an AOL chat room or whatever. (laughs) And you would do everything except write the paper because you just weren't in the mood for it. If you let your brain dictate what 
you know, what it's in the mood for and what you're going to work on, you're going to do so much better at that task. Mm -hmm. And the result is going to be better. Even if it took you an extra, you know, you did it four hours later than you were planning on doing it. The end product is going to be so much better because you didn't force it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So what is, and I, I really love to ask this question because it differs from everybody. I haven't gotten the same answer twice. As far as a theme, so for instance, um, in everything that I do, I really enjoy the storytelling aspect. So SEO and marketing side of things, I get to work on creative content. This, obviously, it's storytelling with guests, um, you know, the media and acting stuff. It's all storytelling. What is something that you feel is an underlying theme between nutrition and marketing? And even when you first went into finance, what did you enjoy that goes under all of those? Yeah, yeah. It's all optimization. That's true. Yeah. Everything about it is optimization. It's figuring out how to do the least amount of work for the most outcome. Mm -hmm. So with marketing, it's how do I spend the least to sell the most? With health and and nutrition, it's how do I um, spend the least time thinking about food, but get a healthy diet? With fitness, it's how do I spend the least amount of time working out, but get the best body? It's all just optimization. I love it. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. And I haven't heard that one before. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So now we're going to jump into something that I have come up with these mantra words for permissionless. And I'd love to know uh, which of these words do you feel describes what got you to where you are now? And which of them do you want to implement more of in your life as you move forward? So the four words are boldness, adaptability, fearlessness, and confidence. Oh, okay. So I think it's kind of a tie between adaptability and confidence for what got me where I am now, because we talked about how I went a million different directions to get where I am. So I definitely had to adapt Mm -hmm. a lot, but I couldn't have gotten through all of that without confidence. Um, You know, I had the confidence to talk to people at networking events who were famous in our industry, you know, yeah. and just like that confidence to, um, to go out and be like, Hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. And, and I'm, you know, worth this much or whatever. Like, I think, um, confidence, confidence, probably number one, but adaptability was definitely a big part of it. Um, what were the other two fearlessness and, and boldness, boldness. Oh yeah. Um, I think I would like more boldness. Yeah, definitely. I want to, I want to get some more boldness in my life. Uh, that's something that, I think goes along with confidence, but mm-hmm. you can be confident, but not bold. And, you know, you can, you can be like, yeah, I'm good at what I do, but you don't shout it from the mountaintops, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I think that I need to, or I want to do more of that. I want to be more outspoken and more bold. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So we're nearing the end of the discussion and by the way, and this is my ADD kicking in, so you were talking about how you love um, working in marketing because you get to figure out all different products that are out there yeah. and companies. Did you know that this is so random? There is a magnetic cookie dipper to dip your cookies in milk. I didn't. So like, so you don't lose the cookie in yeah, the milk? Yeah, so it has a little tray, you put the cookie in, you move the magnet down and it'll dip it for you. <laughs> I was awesome. holding onto that thought that whole entire time and I just had to bring it up because I knew you'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, so living permissionless is all about building the life you want on your own terms. What is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is maybe afraid to take the leap or they have people who might not support their path and they want to take the step, but they just can't? Yeah. So I think um, the way that a lot of people can make the step is the side hustle. Keep your day job so Mm -hmm. that you feel confident, but start taking on clients on the side. And that will help you not only build your network, but build your confidence and build your skill set. Mm-hmm. And you can slowly build up that side job to be your full-time job. Like you don't have to just overnight, like quit your job and run out and, and try and be a consultant or try and do yeah. something else. You can, you can do your little side hustle and then eventually make that your full-time job. And if other people have a problem with it, you know, um, then it's kind of not their business, right? right? It's your life. And as long as it's not affecting them, like, Okay, if your husband or wife is concerned about the fact that you are now going to quit your job and How have are no we income, eat dinner? Yeah. yeah, sure, that's a problem. Like you need to communicate that, and you need to make sure that they understand that you have a plan. Yeah, and I think that's that is a part of it is planning and and mm-hmm. knowing that you're not just 
jumping off a cliff and, and quitting your job and doing, you know, this crazy thing. You have thought about it and you have a plan and you're not doing something that is so risky that you're putting your kids' nutrition at, at risk, yeah. you know? macaroni and cheese only goes so far. <laughs> right. But if you're 25 and your parents think that you're making the wrong decision, A, grow up. Like, you're an adult. Mm-hmm. Go do your thing. And when you're successful, they're going to be so proud of you. Yeah. So just do it. Yeah. And uh, I really like what you were saying about planning because I feel like a lot of people think that when you have a startup or you go into consulting, they only see kind of the outside bubble of what you let them see, right? So they see this person was at this job and now they're here and they're so successful. They're working on their own, but they don't see the planning and the baby (laughs) steps. Like, you know, for you and myself, there's so many intricate things and steps that had to be taken that Mm -hmm. nobody sees, but they're all there. So, you know, plan and don't feel like you have to throw yourself off the cliff and you know, there's, there's time. Yeah. There's a lot of time. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So now there's something called the speed round and I want you to tell me the first answer that comes to your mind and a very short answer. Okay. So what is your, or multiple here. So what are your favorite books and or podcasts that you listen to or read? Okay. So, um, my favorite podcasts are, um, pretty much anything from Gimlet Media. Startup Podcast is fantastic. Um, The new Surprisingly Awesome is great. Reply All, um, like I said, anything from Gimlet Media. Those are kind of hybrid between fun and work. Like they will make you laugh, but also make you think about work things. Planet Money is great from my finance side of my brain. It's all about economics, but it's entertaining. 99% 99% Invisible is about design, um, but it's it's super interesting and, and well-told stories. Um, from a business standpoint, The Art of Charm is great. Mm-hmm. And um, one that I just started recently listening to is called The School of Self-Mastery. So that's my podcast list. I have I could go on for an hour <laughs> about podcasts. So. Oh, and just for everybody listening, we will have these in the show notes. So you'll be able to go back and, and investigate and listen. I could give you a list of 500 podcasts that are fantastic. (laughs) Um, From a book standpoint, the classics for um, work, for um, like optimizing your day, Mm -hmm. four-hour work week and getting things done. Those two, they kind of seem like cliche, but the principles that are in those, if you can apply at least some of them to your day, you're going to be so much more efficient and so much happier as a consultant. And there's a new one that I haven't read yet, but I just listened to him on the Art of Charm podcast this morning. It's a book called The School of Greatness, and it's eight steps to becoming great at whatever you're doing. And yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic read. Yeah. And I just found a ton of things that I'll be listening to over the weekend. (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) I'm always looking for new stuff too. Okay, so what are two badass songs that you listen to when you need to get pumped up or get in the mood to work or just overall, you know, uplift yourself? Yeah, um, so if I need like an, an adrenaline rush, the classic is Eminem, Lose Yourself. Yeah, You just put that on and blast it. Like you can do anything, right? <laughs> um, other than that, music for me, um, it's not so much about what I do listen to as what I don't listen to. So I have a rule that I do not listen to any music that makes me sad. I think that music is so emotional mm-hmm. that if you're like in a flow and you're working and a song comes on that has, that makes you sad or has a negative connotation or reminds you of something bad in your life, like you're going to snap out of yeah. your, your work mode and you're going to start thinking about whatever that thing is that makes you sad. Music's powerful. It's super powerful. Yeah. yeah. So my rule is nothing that makes me sad. And I also think um, a lot of people, I see people always asking like, oh, I need new music for my work playlist. And I think that's an absolute no. I only listen when I'm trying to be super productive. I only listen to music I know because then I don't, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not trying to figure out what the lyrics mean or learn the melody or whatever. The music that's playing, it's all familiar and I don't have to think about it. It keeps me motivated or dancing or whatever, (laughs) but I'm not using any brain power or taking Mm -hmm. attention away from what I'm working on. Yeah. Like I play the same songs over and over and oh, over yeah. to the point where someone would probably think that I hit my head on the wall. Oh like, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I probably have like my playlist, like I listen to, to bad country, like pop country, basically. <laughs> it's like 25 songs that I listen to over and over and over every single day. <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever I mean, works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this could be complete pie in the sky, whatever you want for this answer. Who is somebody that you feel truly lives permissionless that you would like to see interviewed? There are no guarantees, obviously, that I could ever get them on here, but 
I would love to know who that is. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you two. One okay. that I know you can get her on because she is a dear friend of mine, Akvila Harlow. Oh, I love her. Yes, she's fantastic. And she has some of the craziest, like her, her life story is insane. All the things <laughs> that she's done. I actually told her once that I didn't believe her when I first met her. I thought she was a pathological liar <laughs> because she has done so many things. She's like, oh yeah, I was a race car driver and I was a barista. And she I was, was a race, race car driver? Yeah. She like did like motocross or something. Like, wow. Yeah. She has all these <laughs> crazy stories. And she, um, a, a year ago this month came to me and was like, Hey, I want to do what you do. And she quit her job and started consulting. So amazing. yeah, she definitely is a um, huge inspiration to me. She's definitely, per, you know, living permissionless. Um, so I know you can get her. <laughs> Another person that's um, been a big inspiration to me lately is um, a gal named Jill Coleman. She's Jill fit on Twitter and Instagram. And she oh. is I yeah. think I follow her. Yeah, yes. she's in the fitness industry, but she does a lot of education on mindset and confidence and, um, you know, not asking for permission. Just go out and do your thing. And if other people have a problem with it, that's their problem. And she's just been really inspiring. So I think she would be a great interview. Yes, I agree. All right. Well, we're nearing the end and I'm so sad because I feel like there's so much more that we could have talked about, <laughs> but I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I was super excited to talk to you and I know that our listeners are going to be so lucky to hear your story and take your little nuggets of wisdom and implement them into their lives. It's been so much fun and I look forward to the feedback from everybody. Yeah, for sure. And just one more time, everything that's in here will be in the show notes. So all of the awesome podcasts and books and resources will be in there so you can feed your minds. All right. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the first episode and continue to follow the permissionless journey and subscribe for future updates. I'm still working out some of the iTunes bugs, so you'll be able to subscribe there shortly. But for now, I'll leave you with the permissionless manifesto. I dare you to stop asking for permission. I challenge you, you crazy creative or entrepreneur, to be bold, to take risks, to listen to your gut and remember that you have the ability to accomplish anything that you put your heart and mind to. I challenge you to be strong in the face of adversity and hardships and to keep pushing when the future looks unclear, to be adaptable, to build businesses, lives, and relationships that set your soul ablaze. I challenge you to ignite the entrepreneur in you or nourish the existing one, to say yes to yourself and know that you can achieve your goals. You'll demolish the imaginary barriers keeping you from reaching your highest potential. I challenge you to live with fearlessness and confidence. I challenge you to live permissionless.